Welcome to the PharmaSource podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Alex Garcia, Senior Vice President of Global Procurement for the Swiss pharma company DSM. It's a fascinating conversation in which she explains how to protect margins, including some innovative benchmarking to uncover the pharma premium the suppliers were charging DSM, and advice for other women in procurement roles. I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Alex, you've got a really impressive career. So starting in Mexico in FMCG at companies like Unilever and Kraft and various others before finding your way to working in pharma and at DSM where you are now. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that journey and, and what experiences, what lessons you bring from FMCG into pharma and how you found that transition. First of all, thank you very much for the invitation. And I'm a chemical engineer. So I landed in procurement almost by chance. It was not part of my plan. When I finished my studies, I really wanted to develop process and design equipment, you know, and work on innovation and develop formulas, etc. But very quickly, I developed my passion for finding meaningful solutions to problems that either the customers or the consumers were facing. And I had the opportunity very early in my career to go in this journey with the commercial teams to go and visit the trade. And when I say that, it's really going and see where the customer and the consumer was, was experiencing the product of the service. Mm-hmm. And I that triggered the thought of how come we know that the consumer is facing this problem and we haven't found a meaningful way to solve this issue. Like, opening and packaging, for example. Mm -hmm. And this is something I have learned in my experience working in FMCGs, that the first experience the consumer has with our product is not even the product itself, it's through the packaging. And it's the first touching point, right? So so if the packaging is not working well, then the whole experience with the product, far before getting really the taste or the smell of the performance of the product is damaged. So it's that developed for me the thought of, hmm, I can do something through my network and through the connection I have developed with my suppliers to address these challenges. Hmm, hmm. And this is something I'm very fond of. How can I solve something that is meaningful to the customer, the consumer, and actually gives value and brings value to the organization? And this is something I love about FMCGs because it's it's very close to the shelf. You can see the product out there and maybe you're a consumer, your family, your community, your friends use that product or the service. And this is something that finally has driven also into the life science, more the pharma, because there we're talking about lives, right? Mm -hmm. And you have the prescription, you have really a more complex organization, but at the end of the day, you touch on people's lives. And then you have a broader impact on how through the network, through the innovation, through suppliers, technology, et cetera, you have a broader and more impactful, um, you know, perspective on how drive this value and drive this innovation, but also is long lasting um, in these terms, but Mm -hmm. it's initiated in this way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most people I speak to, they say that they fell into procurement for, for whatever the reason is most people fell into procurement almost by accident 
do you think that's a problem actually when it comes to recruiting for talent and that people don't necessarily when they come out of university think about going for a, a job in procurement does that cause issues for you when you're trying to hire the brightest and the best well i think it's an amazing opportunity because then we can tell our story and why procurement may be different to other functions and yeah. in many opportunities when i want to recruit people to come to procurement the procurement is so diverse and this is something i love so much about what we do with procurement and supply chain because just this morning i was having a conversation about financial performance and then this afternoon i will be talking about innovation and sustainability and it's so rare in other parts of the business that we can have this diversity right and then we have mm. this internal and external view um so this can be a challenge, I understand, but also I think it's an amazing opportunity if we tell our story right and, and to convince people to come to our field. Um, I think in the past it was more that people used to see procurement as a function where people that have no other place in the organization could land, heavily transactional, heavily operational, almost for people that were bound to retire or were about to be let go. But I think nowadays it's super exciting because we're driving innovation, sustainability, circularity, social impact, uh, financial performance. We're going to talk about margin protection. We mm -hmm. also drive innovation. We drive so much value to the organization that we're no longer that depository of low performance. And you've got to take suppliers with you on that journey, of course, because you know, you are you are the enabler of of the business to get the most out of out of those suppliers. Do you have any best practices or ways of working? How do you like to have strategic relationships with some of your key partners? How do you tend to think about that? Yeah, and for me, the way to operate in procurement, I think it, that procurement is really a network, and our one of our secret weapons that we don't usually use, but we don't realize is that we own such an extensive network in terms of suppliers, but also the connection with associations, with universities, and also internally, we touch almost every stakeholder in the organization. If you think about it, mm. on the direct and indirect materials, we touch every stakeholder in the organization. So our network is, is huge. And in this way, for me, it's about convey the why of what we're doing to our suppliers and then bring our suppliers with us. And it starts with the business alignment. If we understand as procurement leaders and as procurement professionals, how the business creates value, for whom, who's our customer, why they buy our product or our service, what is in there for them, what's, what's the storytelling and then we bring our suppliers along with us and why this supplier is relevant in this case. Right. Mm. And, and what the specific capabilities or skills of technology we're looking for. And we create that space, this diversity of suppliers, and also we make them feel included in this journey. That's very powerful. And then we can discuss commercial terms. Mm -hmm. But they are part of this family and we share the gain and the pain. And we will talk about this a little bit later. Right. When we talk yep, about the yep. market protection. Um, but they should come along with us. And this is where we distinguish transactional suppliers from strategic partners. Not everybody will be a uh, strategic partner. We are not 
in the aim to do this, but those that are really partners, they come along with us to co-create this future. And this is fundamental when we want to drive more innovation, uh, technology, speed to market. And something that distinguished for me FMCG is to pharma somehow is the speed to market. In FMCG, you cannot afford to be slow. Mm. You need to be fast. And, and for me, this is a window of opportunity in pharma. We should be faster to reach the, to, to, to reach the market and to really reach the patients. When it comes to speed to market, from your experience in FMCG, what is it that pharma needs to do to be faster? I think that on this, um, of course, we have a regulation that we need to follow, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not going to criticize or anything like that, but there are so many other steps that we can start preparing, working our, with our suppliers and our teams in the regions. So when we got the approval to go and launch our product, we can go fast and deploy fast. I think in so many ways, uh, sometimes the organization can be slow for different reasons. Sometimes can be bureaucracy, sometimes can be processes, etc. cetera, over complicated processes. I would challenge if it's necessary that these processes should be there. Mm-hmm. And or is is just waste, right? Um, and this is where we can reach the market, the patients, the prescribers faster, and make it leaner for everybody else involved into this uh, into this cycle and the network. Does procurement itself, as a function, sometimes get in the way of that speed to market? Because I'm sure. Across your career, you've you've worked within various different types of operating models, different balances of regional buying power versus centralized centers of excellence. From your different types of ways of working, what do you think is the best type of operating model to be lean, fast, efficient, all the things that people want to be? Yeah, that's a great question, Luke. And I could say is about the mindset. And I think that as a procurement leaders and a procurement professional, we need to be business first and function second and being really entrepreneurs, identify what are the opportunities and how we're going to bring everything through the organization, our networks, our suppliers, the processes, et cetera, to enable that ability either to reach and to launch uh, a solution to the market, a device to the market, you know, or a new product or a new formulation, et cetera, to the market. But sometimes I, I have had the experience that procurement is so embedded in their own process, right? In their own policy that they cannot see beyond that. And this is where I think the challenge comes, right? We are so passionate about doing our biddings and our policies and following the procedure, you know, that this, this is absolutely right as long as it delivers the value to the business and to the organization, and at the end touches the customer, the consumer in the way that we want. But if it doesn't, I would challenge the way of thinking. Mm. And I'm not against complexity as long as it brings value. That is what I challenge. Does this complexity bring value to the prescriber, to the customer, to the patient, or it doesn't? then we can take a look at it, right? And this is something that FMCG is really good at because there you cannot afford to lose a campaign Mm -hmm. when you are in FMCG. 
And this is something I had embedded in my organizations for us to be faster and leaner and my team to develop this mindset of being entrepreneurs, identify opportunities, work along with the business to deploy them. And if it's necessary, break the rules, you know, of course, within, I'm also a firm believer of freedom within a framework, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to expose ourselves to crazy risk, but also be entrepreneurs and go and do whatever it takes to make sure the business wins uh, in every opportunity. Hmm. Does speed to market sometimes come at a cost of getting the best negotiated price? And if so, is that a, a balance worth having? I think there are trade-offs. You will always have certain trade-offs, and this is why it's necessary to align with the business and understand what are the business priorities and what is valuable for them, and then we can have an informed decision. Right? Sometimes we will push very hard to get the best price, but maybe counterproductive to some parameters in terms of service or speed of timing that the business may need. So I'm a firm believer of joint targets. And in this is a, it's a very good example of where we need to have the conversation and alignment with the business for any commercial decision that we need to make, especially if it has an impact on how we're going to deploy a solution to the market. Let's talk then about margin protection. And so sure. at the moment, cost containment is such an issue for everyone as we're in a global inflation doesn't really seem to show any signs of slowing. What are your thoughts for, for others in similar roles to you on how they can best protect their margins? Yeah, thank you for the question. And I will share with you what I did with my organization two years ago. We launched an initiative that we called Above and Beyond. It's a very fancy name for an initiative that aims to protect the margin. Hmm. And we use three main levers, right? The supply lever, the demand lever, and then the process lever. So the first one, the supply lever, really address the question from whom we buy. And is to address what are other sources here, how we can maximize, how we can bring more diversity to our supplier base, how we can bring this diversification in terms of value, performance, or service with suppliers, and also increase our supplier diversity. Mm-hmm. Then we move to the demand lever, that is for whom we buy, and this is where the work and alignment with the business is critical, because this is where we go into strategic planning, into inventory uh, optimization, etc. We reduce the complexity, we review the SKUs performance centrally, but also within the regions, there was, we had very high inventories so very low movers, high complexity on packaging, primary, secondary packaging, you know, all of this. Also operational efficiencies in warehouses, distribution lines, all of this that creates more complexity and more, more and more uh, waste. And also we reassess with our suppliers if we can go to design for value or performance for value. Mm-hmm. Again, bringing our suppliers all together. And then how we buy, right? How we can encase the process, reduce the waste in our supply chain. I do believe that good procurement and fantastic procurement reduces the waste across the supply chain. So we had joint targets with the business and then make sure that we have a good compliance, right? So we have certain processes that need to go through the system. So we have good visibility on the cost, the cost allocation, 
uh, the pricing, no PO, no pay, all of these things that I'm pretty sure my colleagues have heard. But what is special about pharma? And this is where the pharma component comes in. And I, we did something special that was called the pharma premium. I mean, there's no secret that suppliers know that pharma has good margins. We all know it, right? Mm -hmm. So what we did is a series of different workshops inviting companies with lower margin, like let's say banking, for example, or other kinds of services. And we benchmarked certain services that we were buying with these companies. That's interesting. So what, what type of what type of services would they be? So what what categories would you share with banking, say? Um, for example, IT mm -hmm. servers, um, some, uh, for example, for computer maintenance, you know, consultancy service that are not highly specialized. Of course, mm -hmm. anything that is highly specialized pharma, like regulatory, dossier submission, that's a different universe, right? But here we're really talking about mainstream services. Yeah. These are the, a couple of examples of things that we brought these companies in. We brought a couple of banks, uh, you know, uh, I cannot say many names, but we, we bought other companies with lower margins. And we did a, we had a candid conversation with them and we benchmarked that with costs. What did you discover from that benchmarking? Uh, surprise, surprise, we had a hypothesis that we were paying an overprice on certain products and services mm. because we play in a high margin industry how much approximately do you, do you have a sense it was in the range depending on the service of the product right but it was in the range from five to twenty something percent okay it was significant range right depending on the service and the product again, and also the region. We did the first exercise here in Switzerland and some other locations like the US and also in Asia. And it was across the board in these pilots that we were overpaying for some of these services. Maybe some of my colleagues hearing for this podcast will say, yeah, but we have different specifications, we have different needs. Yeah, I, I could I could say, yeah, but still at the end of the day, if I have my Dell computer here, it's completely irrelevant if I use this for a pharma or for banking or for an insurance yep. or for catering. Yep, yeah, absolutely. if I need to give maintenance to this computer or for my screen or for, you know, that should be irrelevant. But what we notice is because of the industry we are, some suppliers, right, were charging a higher premium because pharma is considered a high margin industry. Mm. So what did you do with that information then? So what we do, we renegotiated the terms and the conditions with our suppliers, mm -hmm. right? So... Also, we need to align what are the terms and the conditions of doing this kind of benchmark. You cannot do this like massively. Also, we, we were mindful of the resources because it's time consuming. You need to do a lot of preparation, a lot of digging, really have a clear framework, 
um, go deep into certain information and share. And also the companies that will join this workshop need to do a lot of preparation, right? So it needs to be a win-win for everybody. But at the end of the day, when we reviewed the information, it was very clear that with very similar scopes, we were overpaying 10, 15, sometimes more than 20%. Hmm. So with this information, we went back to our suppliers to have an open conversation, say, hey, we're finding out this is what's going on, right? What we're going to do about this? In some mm -hmm. cases, we had to renegotiate the entire agreement in order we were able to go down just price to price. Or also we discover other conditions like payment terms, for example, was there was a big difference the way that we manage inventories. Uh, of course, it's different if you have a production or it's just a service like banking. They have no inventory. We carry inventory. So it's, it's, there are slight differences, but I think the overall principle will be valid. Mm. Um, and this is this may be provocative, right? And and some of my colleagues, when I discuss this over a couple of uh, of drinks, I, I think they find this uncomfortable to challenge the status quo because we like to think that that pharma is a high margin industry, but I think that the time has changed. And we need to be mindful that some of this unprecedented inflation and cost impact will stay longer. Mm. And we have a permanent mark in the way that we buy and also that we source and also for our suppliers, not only for us, right? Yep. Yeah, also absolutely. Customer and consumers are suffering from that. So we also need to be mindful and find new solutions and new ways to make it happen. So in FMCG, it's a lot easier to switch suppliers if you're in this type of situation. What do you do in your situation? P thinking particularly about the, the specialist pharma categories, whether that's APIs or packaging, cold chain. Um, what do you do in that situation? Well, that's a different animal uh, because then you have all this submission, you have uh, approvals, you have it's highly regulated, etc. And this is where the partnership with suppliers is key. And so another thing that we have done on the contrary of the pharma premium is work with our suppliers on the pharma specifics and work with our suppliers on how through the technology and the advancement, maybe through analytics, explore other hypotheses and how keeping that standard and being compliant with the regulation, we still can improve and reduce the waste through the supply chain. Um, something that was very clear is our planning is not that good, right? Mm -hmm. So it, when we can improve our forecasting and our planning and manage our inventories much better on both sides, there's win-win. So we don't have to go and change the specification per se, but when we touch what is around the product, right, and the warehousing and the packaging, et cetera, there are some wins still. Um, I know my, my friends from formulation and regulatory, they, they try to avoid to touch on the APIs and the formulation, et cetera. But sooner or later, this is something we will have to, to have a discussion on. You've spoken uh, a number of times about how important it is to have supplier diversity. But what about diversity within 
the workforce itself. Why is it that procurement is often so tough, specifically for, for women? Why do you think that is? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't think that procurement is especially tough uh-huh. for women. I think that procurement is exciting for men and for women, right? There are so many opportunities and depends what 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 you want, right? What excites you. If it's direct, if it's indirect, if it's APIs, if it's innovation or procurement, uh, innovation sourcing or sustainability, there's a mm-hmm. lot coming through procurement in terms of sustainability and circularity and deforestation free. Right. So I don't think that procurement specifically is tough on women. I think it may be also a combination of recruiting more profiles from STEAM, you know, mm-hmm. into procurement that traditionally tend to go more into indirects, right? Um, into certain indirect categories like travel or marketing or IT, etc. And then it gets harder to move those profiles into the direct materials space. I recently had to recruit someone to buy energy and that's challenging. You you don't have a lot of high profiles, female talents, you know, that are specialized in energy buying, for example. So that's highly specialized and, and the level of capabilities and skills and exposure to the market is quite high. Mm-hmm. But that makes it, me think that this is that journey, right? That transition uh, that might be the challenge. It felt like um, in in many ways that COVID kind of leveled the playing field for everybody because everyone was forced to work from home, operating in, in the same kind of way. But then across the world, everyone's forcing people back into their offices, no matter how how far away they live. Do you feel that that's, particularly for women, a, a difficult situation to manage? Um, I think that it's difficult to manage if you don't have the right network, whether a man or a woman, right? Especially mm-hmm. if you have a family with your own kids and you don't have the right support network to help you, that can be challenging. Right. Mm. Um, and now that I think that we need to have the right balance here, right? How much time we spend at home, how much time we can be in the office. I think the connection, we need to keep the connection alive. So either it's face to face in the office or virtual or find another creative way to keep the connection. That's very important because in procurement, as I said, one of our superpowers is how we develop these networks. And I'm not saying that it's impossible to do that through the screen, but it can be more challenging, especially if you're new to the organization or new to the industry or the market, it can be tougher. Mm. Um, so I would invite the people that are, they find themselves in this kind of situation, invest time in creating the connection and expanding your network. I noticed you're doing a talk soon about the good, the bad and the ugly of digital transformation. I wonder yes. if you could... <laughs> Tell me something about your experience, or perhaps maybe starting with the ugly. Like, what what happens when digital transformation initiatives go wrong? Have you been part of anything like that? Yes, I'm going to do a talk about that, and I can give you a couple of hints of what I'm going to talk about it. Great. And what can go wrong is you can spend a lot of money, resources, and energy from the organization with no results. So, on the contrary. These kind of projects can alienate the organization, mm-hmm. drive burnout, 
and see no results. So the entire strategy get questioned if one project doesn't work. And there's a lot of at stake, you know? Um, so we need to make it right. There are potential pitfalls that we need to be mindful of. And the most important thing is to bring the people along with you in this transformation. And this is why when it's just a procurement thing or a supply chain thing, it may, it may be more challenging because the impact is for the broader organization, right? It requires a lot of work for them, but maybe the benefit is very limited for a space of people. Um, so what needs to be done is really connect to the bigger why of this kind of transformation. And all of them are very, very expensive. So mm. if something goes wrong, the stakes are super high. And, and you need the right people on board. And the right people is not the techie guy doing the programming in the computer, you know, is really the leaders that will embrace this transformation and drive it forward. And it's not a three-month thing. It's not a town hall thing. They really need to role model, embrace, live, breathe, you know, talk about digital and be digital. Mm. That can be challenging for many organizations. The technology is oft very often the smallest part of any of these transformation initiatives. Exactly. And digital transformation is not the implementation of Arriva or mm. Coupa or GEP or whatever. That's, that can be automation. That's something else. Digital transformation is, is massive, is business-wide, is... Is, is bigger than that, than just implementing a system, right? But sometimes it gets confused. So also the people get confused. And at the end of the day, they end up in a different place that they were not expecting to be. Hmm. So I'm going to give more details in that talk. Yeah, yeah, but sure. But these are some of the potential pitfalls of sometimes why the value gets diluted. And people start very excited, but after, after a couple of months, you don't see the value realization. And often leave the organization when it goes wrong. Uh, it can it can burn a lot of people. Yes, you burn a lot of people and resources. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's any advice that you could give to anyone listening to this podcast who would want to grow into a role similar to the one that you're in now. Any sort of advice or best practices you could share, please? Um, I would share what, what has worked for me, right? Yeah. And for me was discover my passion. That is what I'm really good at is finding ways to solve meaningful problems for others. And it's through the connection, the building networks, connecting people. I speak with everybody. I'm very curious. I always want to understand how things work. And it's true bringing all these pieces together that they get to solve meaningful problems. So my advice to others would be find your own secret sauce. Mm. What makes you different? What makes you special? And what gives you that energy? And what are your values? And how you can, through what you do every day in these kind of roles, convey that message, right? That would be my advice. That's great advice. Thank you, Alex. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Luke. If you work in procurement in the pharma or biotech industry, then why not register to PharmaSource? 
a private members community designed to connect you with peers, share best practices and discover new suppliers. Head over to pharmasource.global for your free membership.